Blog Talk Radio. Multiple songs playing even there. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to Drive Through HR, where we just want to have a, a party, so we're going to play multiple songs. So um, we are doing a host show today. I am Robin Schooling, and uh, two of our, my co-hosts are here today, Crystal Miller-Lay and Michael Vandervoort. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. Hello. Hey. We are, uh, it, we, I, that, I was like, what the heck is that mashup team that we're Robin's mixing songs now <laughs> to open the show? That's right. So, yeah, that's awesome. DJ Robin. So, yeah. That's right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hello. It's nice to have the band back together, mostly. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very nice. to pick up your car. So, yeah. So, he's, he's off doing it. I know it's literally like the only time we have to do it though. So there's so many, there's so many updates since the last time that we've all gotten together. I'm looking forward to seeing, hearing, I guess, um, what's going on with everybody, but um, who wants to kick it off? Well, Robin's the host technically since she's not in the board. So Robin, why don't you start <laughs> us somewhere? I know I put a couple hmm. ideas in the show notes, but this is really whatever we feel like talking about. So yeah, yeah. Well, let's kind of do a quick uh, let's do quick updates of kind of what everybody's working on first, because I think that's interesting, uh, and then we'll dive into some of our topics. But uh, yeah, still um, still rocking and rolling with our uh, with Paradise Group. Uh, we're we're doing lots of uh, HR tech consulting engagements and. Uh, implementations and integrations and I've been working with my uh you know my sweet spots the, the small mid-sized businesses so I've uh, been working with some of those folks and uh yeah living the HR dream and um I think some of our <laughs> topics today that we'll talk about um uh potentially are are very pertinent because um I've had some of those conversations <laughs> recently with some HR friends so Uh, I'm glad it's spring, Uh, and uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, coming out of two years of of sameness, and um, I've kind of turned a corner, I guess, in in my mind. So, yay! Glad glad to be here. So that's kind of my update. What about what about you, Michael? Um, Well, I was on vacation most recently. I was in St. Martin for a week, which was. Absolutely amazing. I've not been to the Caribbean uh, except off of a cruise ship before, which is, you know, it's fun in its own way, but to just spend a week on an island with nothing to do but whatever I wanted to do and hang out Mm. at the beach every day and the pool every day and sun and mimosas in the morning and beer margaritas and whatever else we felt like having throughout the day was very (laughs) fun, very relaxing. I'm still actually, it's Thursday and I'm still actually feeling kind of mellow. I suspect by next week I'll be back to a more normal work state, but um, that's, that's very short term focus because that was last week. Um, Actually we're going, you know, it's one of the busier times and one of the topics was, you know, kind of what's going on in labor relations uh, around the the universe because there's a lot uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, so for me, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're in a very busy time with a lot of 
activity that's highly unusual for the stuff I usually deal with. Publix isn't affected by it directly, but um, it's just a huge, hugely busy time. Um, but we also had a, like one of those things that only happens once in a while in your in your work career, where the person who hired me into the company back the first go round, um, and, and guy that's a great friend and personal mentor of mine, um, had been with with us for twenty plus years, is moving into a different position, and so this is his last mm. week. Uh, so mm. we're um, you know like somebody that I've known and worked with you know on and off since two thousand eight. Um, and it was kind of a bedrock of, of our department and, uh, at that company moving over. So, like, we're now about to get into the whole, you know, musical chairs of who replaces him and what is what impact does that have on each, you know, each and everybody in our department and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not it's not it's not super scary or anything, but it's just uh, it's just different, you know. And then everything yeah. else is, you know, like just busy, busy with life, you know. But I'm doing I'm doing good. And it's, uh, really had a good, you know, really had an enjoyable vacation. Can't wait to go back, but it might not be till next year or something. But yeah, I'll probably <laughs> make another trip down there. So that's a quick update. Fabulous. Well, that's that's great. Yeah. So I guess what's I happening guess, with you, Crystal? <laughs> I guess I'm gonna get my turn. So I, I did not go to St. Martin um, recently, but that is where Duran and I spent our honeymoon, and it is an amazing place. Um, fun story about St. Martin. Um, so I didn't know uh, when when we booked St. Martin, um, I had just told told Wayne, like, I want to go there, and I think that would be great, right? And so I saw this place, Orient Bay, and I was like, oh, that's cool. They had these <laughs> little townhomes, all these things. Yeah, I didn't realize that was, like, the nude section of St. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> lots, lots, of be- lots of beaches, uh, yeah, lots of beaches are unexpectedly clothing optional. Right. I learned that Monday – I learned that Monday afternoon at noon when I walked down on the beach and saw a completely naked man, you know, man spreading in a lounge chair. And I went, Hey, wait, what? Oh. And that was like right in front of my condo. So yeah, I was, that was, we don't see that in Florida that much. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we didn't get it. So, so we had, um, it was kind of neat. Of course, all of this got wiped away with, I think with the, um, with the hurricane, but the, like the resort that we were at, but um, it was little townhomes, and so you had your own individual pool in the back. And I think we had like an eight-foot lizard that we shared that pool with. It was a little terrifying. But um, <laughs> then you had the beach that you could walk to. And so we had walked to the beach. It was like 6.30 in the morning to watch the sunrise or something like that, whatever time the sun rises. And um, I'm doing this panoramic picture, and I see this dude in the picture. And, and it looks kind of weird <laughs> because, like, I couldn't see his shorts. And so I put the phone down, and it was like, this dude and all of his penis glory, like, just bopping down the road <laughs> and with shoes <laughs> and socks and nothing else on. I was just like, holy cow. <laughs> so we didn't I, 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 I saw that guy, but he had a backpack and no socks. He had a, a backpack <laughs> and, and shoes. I think he was going to work. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't care. It's just, it's just different for sure. It really is funny. It really is. So we went back up to where we were getting, because the, like the little place had a, a restaurant. And so we went to the little restaurant that was on the beach and, you know, have drinks as you do when you're on your honeymoon at 630 in the morning. <laughs> and the, it was like, hey, there was this naked guy on the beach. She's like, yeah, you're in Orient Bay. Like, you're going to see that all over the place. like, oh, wow. Okay, we're not going to be doing that. But that's so but other than that, like, it was such a neat place, and I, I hope we get to go back again. I'm, it was so nice being able to see your pictures, Michael. Um, so, 
you know, for us, uh, and I'll speak for Dwayne since he's not on right now, but um, we've had, it's been pretty busy. So we, um, for those who don't know, Dwayne left Jovio last year and actually came to work for, from my company. Um, this is not nepotism at play. Like Dwayne is brilliant when it comes <laughs> to, he's just so good with, um, with Six Sigma and Lean HR and yeah. operational stuff. Oh, yeah. I needed all of that. Like our, our company needed all of that. And when it comes to client experience and client success, like he's just fabulous. And so um, I had been telling him for a year that I really, really, really wanted him to come over and work with me, but he, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the right timing and then timing was just right. And it's been great. We've doubled the size of the business and um, brought a couple of other people on. So you know, we're, we're doing some really great work. It's been a lot of our clients right now are grappling with return to work and the fallout from that. Like we have a client that uh, lost almost 30% of their workforce um, in the span of mm. six And so, uh, and, and they're not alone in that, right? Like a lot of companies are struggling with how do we go back to normal when normal doesn't exist? right? Like normal as we knew it before the pandemic doesn't exist. And so, you know, looking at that, um, it's more than just a recruiting campaign or, you know, an edict to send people back to work. There's a lot of um, organizational psychology and, you know, um, workplace safety, psychological safety and belonging that has to, to go into that plan. Um, and so we're, we're doing a lot of that, that work and it's, it's been great. We love it. Um, but it definitely keeps us busy. So beyond that, we got to um, go do a workcation, <laughs> going to going mm-hmm. to Spain to work, but then getting some time to to enjoy um, Spain with um, our eldest son, which has has been really cool. Um, he he found out he is he's not as into wine trips as he thought he might be. <laughs> <laughs> But that's totally age appropriate for a college kid. So, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it was neat, you know. It, I think it's been a it's been a really fun start to the year, and um, the three year olds are doing their thing, and and then, yeah, that's just it's just life. Life keeps moving, and it moves in really unexpected ways. Yeah. So, so yep. people, didn't did you finish your your you were working on like on your MBA right or something like that yeah, or doctorate or something I can't remember <laughs> what exactly. Doctorate's the end goal. So um so yeah I finished the first part of my master's degree. I am um, finishing up the research associated with that. So we're doing a wide scale research study with the University of Wales on um well we I. I'm doing a large scale study with the University of Wales um, on neuroinclusivity and talent attraction. So when we look at um, neurodiversity, it impacts over 33 million people in the United States alone. Um, and so that's the, it's the uh, disorders you can't see, right? And so like when you, mm-hmm. you know, um, we can see blindness to some extent, you know, we understand hearing loss, um, but there's a lot of psychological issues that, that happen in people that we can't see and therefore don't really want to make accommodations for. And so one, it's understanding, you know, are people telling their employers that they have um, neurodivergence and may or may not need accommodations? And if they are, are they are saying those things, you know, are employers 
giving them the space for accommodations. And a lot of this is born out of, of my own experiences um, as a person with ADHD and hearing loss. Um, <laughs> two things together are not fun. Yeah. But, but, um, but it's not something that you can speak, and I'm not completely deaf, so I don't do sign language. And, um, and I, I was working for a staffing firm, and I won't say which one, it doesn't matter anymore, but um, I worked with them for less than a month because they, they couldn't or wouldn't understand um, the need for accommodation to have some, some um, space away from the bullpens that you traditionally see in, um, right. in recruiting offices, right? And I couldn't hear, and I couldn't work. And so, you know, I was like, okay, well, I can work from home or I can work in an office or if you even just point me at a wall where there's only people on like one side of me, no, none mm-hmm. of that. So, you know, we've come a long way in the last 20 years when it comes to accommodations. Um, and I think we're in a, a society and a climate and our society that we're more open to it. But, um, but what we're seeing is that a lot of people are, are not getting those accommodations from employers, partially because they're not asking for them. Um, and yeah. partially because they don't know, like employee, employers just don't know how. So we're studying right now, like what are, you know, what percentage of the people that identify as neurodivergent are getting accommodations and were those things offered to them during the recruitment process? Like was it mentioned that accommodations could be made or how that might work mm-hmm. or something that happens after the fact or it's something that I think is, is more prevalent, we're seeing employees just cobbling together on their own. So that's the study that I'm working on mm-hmm. this year. Um, and then next year, my doctoral studies will start. Well, uh, very interesting topic, I'm sure. Very awesome. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm a giant nerd, so I love this stuff. <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, I've, I've kind of found, like, for me, I, neurodiversity, neuroinclusion um, is, is something that's really near and dear to um, my heart, not just because of my own experiences and my daughter's experiences, um, but, you know, also Dwayne and I have um, a son, Dwayne's son, my stepson with um, autism. And I think about as he, as he grows into the workforce, like what is the workforce going to look like for him and any way that we can help make mm-hmm. it a little bit better for him and the millions of people like him, then we certainly want to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Definitely. That's Sounds like, cool. So, so everyone has a lot going on. Everybody's got stuff moving forward. So that's all good. Um, the big, huge universe of HR has a ton of stuff going on as well. And that's why I wanted to yes, do a host show. It's, there's so many things to talk about. I'm sure we can only do justice to one or two, but uh, um, the, I don't know. Uh, we I, I, I tossed some ideas out in the show notes, but I, I don't know where you want to go someplace. Okay. Uh, first, I, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of like the, and you did put it, you know, kind of first in our show notes, um, um, and, it, and it ties right back into what, what Crystal was talking about earlier of, uh, you know, folks going back into the office, and that is the uh, drinking in the office and sort of that culture. And there was a that Wall Street Journal article earlier this week that uh, mm-hmm. kind of talked about it, um, and then uh, both... Two of our recent guests, both John Hyman and Suzanne Lucas, both kind of uh, wrote some things up about it as well and some feedback on it. But the gist of the article um, in the Wall Street Journal was that as companies are saying, okay, folks, 
physically come back to the office, whether that be full-time back in the office, whether that be hybrid, whether whatever, um, they are looking to create um, a reason uh, of why people should want to come back into the office. And one of the things that a lot of companies seem to have latched on to is let's have some more alcohol in the office. (laughs) Um, And so whether that be, um, you know, uh, we're all going to, you know, four o'clock, turn the phones off and, and have a drink together. Or the article even referenced some companies are are actually going as far as um, to install, have, you know, builders, architects, whatever, come in and install bars um, in their offices mm-hmm. as they're renovating them. So um, it's, it's interesting to because, as I said, uh, recently had a conversation about this very topic um, with with an HR friend, you know, out for lunch. And what do we do? Talk about like stupid stuff like drug and alcohol policies. But um, <laughs> you know, it had it had it had, it had, it had come up because um, uh, there was this. Um, not that they were necessarily looking at well, let's have people drink in the office, but at this at at this company we were talking about. They've always had this, uh, it's okay for corporate events, for example, that we may drink in the office, right? You know, we're having the crawfish boil or Christmas party or whatever, right? So, yeah, 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 booze is fun, is fine and fun then. But yet the written policies in their employee handbook, policy manual, whatever, speaks to absolutely no alcohol allowed on premise. So, yeah, there's, how, you know. there's, there's some contradictions with this kind of stuff, right? Like you've got the social uh-huh. aspect of it, but when you think about it from a policy perspective, there, there's, there's so many things that can be problematic, not the least exactly. of which when you have policies that state, and as many companies do, that talk about alcoholism in the workplace and how um, abuse of alcohol can be you know, a reason for termination, but then you have companies sponsored events where alcohol is offered to all employees, like, are you setting uh-huh. yourself up for a problem? And I think you are. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's where the, the, um, you know, once again, HR folks are often put in the middle of this because the powers that be may want to, let's build a bar. You know, so people will come and socialize and, oh, yay, you know, team building, whatever. Uh, And then, okay, let's have a real talk about what that looks like in practicality, which was, uh, again, John John Hyman, um, if anyone wants to go out and and grab his post he wrote earlier this week, but kind of broke it down on the HR side of here's why that, you know, might not be such a good idea or certainly what you need to be thinking through if you're on the HR side and and how do you balance that? Yeah. I I think a lot of it starts with where your policies are. Right. Uh, But so, so for a company that's small like mine and and our employee policies really can be summed up in one sentence of like, don't do stupid things, right. Make good judgments. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We don't have anything explicitly around alcohol that could then be considered, you know, setting our employees up for failure who may have um, alcohol issues. Right. But um, but certainly it can be problematic for a number of reasons. And I think we can look no further than than Blizzard 
um, and and um, yeah. their parent company, Activision, and how much of their issues stemmed around, um, you know, events where alcohol was present and bad behavior was a subsequent um, subsequent issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, like when you think about like as a return to work strategy. I, so, so first of all, when people were at home and working remotely, and I'm sure there was a fair amount of, well, I'll just have my five o'clock glass of wine at two. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, oh, yeah. and I, and I, and I've seen TikTok videos where people are like, you know, in their tearaway pajamas or, or you know, whatever, drinking out of a wine glass, and and you know, Zoom call comes in from the boss, right? And they throw yeah. on like a jacket real fast and pour their wine glass, uh, the wine from their wine glass into a coffee cup. Yeah, you know, I mean, and so, you know, it's become almost like a caricature of like what work, working remotely stands for, which is that people somehow have been goofing off and stuff, which, you know, I'm sure there's some of that, but largely I think people are better. Um, but it, I, I'm, I have to admit, like, I, I, like I've worked in companies where we had um, – like there were there was a cultural thing that at one company that we did something that was and you have to go with the word because it's meaningless but we called them zymes and the company that I worked for worked in partially in re- research around enzymes and and chemistry and that okay. kind of stuff so a zyme was a Friday afternoon four o'clock kind of let's get the team together and have some beers out on the patio you know before you go home yeah. like and and it was and but it usually was done with a purpose like somebody would want to talk about a work-related thing, but in a, you know, kind of a relaxed end of the day, mm-hmm. let's just sit down and chat about this, right? So this was a kind of a way to wind up the week with a business conversation before mm-hmm. you went home for the weekend. Or and you didn't do it every mm-hmm. week, but it, it was available, you know? So there was beer in the refrigerator or whatever. And if you wanted to call a Zyme, you know, you grabbed the six-pack and you went out the back door and you did your thing and then you were done. Everybody had one or whatever and you went home. It wasn't a, you know, like an open bar happy hour, you know, throughout the day at your call center yeah. or whatever, you know, all these kind of things. So, so I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a place for it, but I kind of question the idea that it's a way to convince people to feel safe returning to the office or, you know, coming back from a hybrid in, or a remote work environment. I don't really get the logic of that, I guess, you know, I mean, I get the teamwork aspect of it potentially, but to your point, Crystal, it's fraught with so many other so many other risks and issues, and that's that was the gist of John's article as well as Suzanne's. That I, yeah, I, I wonder if it's more like clickbait for a New York Times article, or if it's really as prevalent as they made it sound like it might be. No, I don't know how prevalent it is, but it's certainly it's certainly happening, right? And to, and I think it's it's been happening, right? Like, it, and this isn't just a pandemic thing. Silicon Valley you had like beer on tap in a lot of their offices. Right, exactly. You know, like, alcohol's been around. Um, but, but, but that being said, you know, I kind of harken back to, I don't know if it was my mom or one of my mom's friends, and somebody kind of gave me advice um, after my, my divorce. I, I got married really, really young, so I got divorced fairly young. I think it was 23 or something like that. Um, and so they, had, they gave me this advice, like any, anybody you need to have drinks with in order to make the time spent with them, you know, tenable, is probably not someone you need to hang out with. You want to have drinks with, mm-hmm. it's just a social thing, whatever, but if you need to do it to feel better about the time that you're spending, they're probably not 
the people that you want to hang out with. It's not the guy you want to date. And I, and I think the same thing is true with work. Like if I need alcohol to make me want to come hang out with all of my coworkers, I'm in the wrong club. I'm in the wrong mm-hmm. you know, yeah. space. Right? So, well, and, 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 and yeah, and to be fair, the you know the article did did reference other. Uh, well, the clickbait aspect of it was ooh, drinking in the office. Um, the, the article did reference the other things that that employers are struggling with to make coming back into the office seem cool. You know, so bring your dog. Yep, you can bring your dog now. Yep, you can That's keep awesome. wearing hoodies. Yep, right. you know. Like- I read that the whole bring yeah. up thing. I was like, so it's yeah. only a matter of time until we have a lawsuit because somebody stops breathing because they're deathly allergic to somebody's cat. Like that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I remember bringing I had a puppy. Um, it is like 2005 or something like that. Um, that we had we'd gotten a puppy and it couldn't be alone during the work day. And I had noticed that the accounting, uh-huh. the uh, the lady in accounting brought her dog into work. And so I was like, oh, I'll just bring mine. Now, she had an office by herself, and I was in a recruiting bullpen, right? But so, so 23, 24, 25, I don't even know how old it was, 25-year-old um, Crystal was like, oh, that's cool. I'll just put my dog on my desk. Like, she's, she fits in my purse, so whatever. Um, and I think <laughs> she was there for, like, an hour, and I just couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't stay there for the day because it was just, like, everybody was looking at me like, what in the world are you doing bringing your dog to work? And I noticed there uh-huh. was one one lady in the corner that was like pacing, like nervously pacing. And so finally I was like, is this bothering you? And she's like, I'm so allergic to dogs. And, and I know you, this dog is hypoallergenic. Like we, I've heard you talk about the dog and it's probably fine, but like, it's just making me really nervous. And just like, Oh shoot, I'll take her home. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't think about that. And I didn't think about it, but it, it was really inconsiderate of me to not have thought about that. And now you have oh, employers that are like, Oh, it's people's cool allergies. Everybody bring your dog to work so that you show up. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I worked in a I worked at a company that was owned by my ex wife where we had dogs in the office every day and it was not just it was RT dogs, family dogs, but it was also the, the dogs of staff and there was like a pack of animals that ran through the office you know, all day long, <laughs> every day, playing together, which was if you if you were there it was pretty comical because they were of all sizes and shapes and colors and um but we actually, you know, we cleared it with you know, every before, well, it, since it was my wife's office, before she hired anybody, she would say, if I hire you, my dogs are going to be here every day. Will that be a problem for you? And if they said yes, then, you know, we explained to them that that might not be the best place for them to work. Um, but we, you know, it can work. We never had any biting issues or any allergy issues. And it was over a good two or three year period. What we did have, though, was people who would bring their lunches to work. And then get up to go get something out of the refrigerator or use the bathroom and come back to only to discover that their ham sandwich had been devoured by the herd of animals that stole it off their desk <laughs> while they were gone. So we, we had to remind everybody frequently to dog proof your food or go eat outside at the picnic table or whatever, because otherwise the hounds were going to probably eat your lunch. So that was the worst hazard we experienced. But it, uh, it, it also can be a problem, to, to your point, Crystal, for those kind of reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a thing I mean, but, but on the other hand I understand employers are just trying to figure out how to get people back into these you know multi-million dollar leases and buildings that they own yes yeah. so yeah uh, speaking of people at work and uh, issues they may or may not have let's uh, let's go on to this uh, I feel like we've 
we've talked about this all year, and it's just more and more and more. But let's go on, uh, on Michael, and talk about um, this just increased, again, um, organizing activity with now Apple, or Apple Store. Yeah. So not just Starbucks, yeah. the Amazons, and now Apple. Yeah, and it, it, what, it's Apple? actually even it, – it's so – just a quick recap for those who don't pay attention to labor relations. Number one, if you're not, you gotta, um, because it is uh, the we're in an, like a decade-long unprecedented period. I mean, we've entered a, a period like we haven't seen in a multiple decades. Is what I'm trying to yeah. say there. It's the organizing activity in all industries and sectors is is off the chain. Uh, the NLRB. Uh, is, has seen a 57% increase in organizing petitions um, since the first of the year. Um, they expect to have a record year for the last three or four decades in the amount of election campaigns that are that that employees at companies are filing to be held to be represented by unions, and it's coming from all sorts of different sectors, um, many non-traditional, but uh, and three of the biggest ones right now are, as you mentioned, Starbucks, which has approximately 230 pending elections, which is only 2% of their total workforce across the United States with their 9,000 and some stores. But 230 separate election campaigns, they, they so far are, they've had 27 elections held and the union has won 25 of the 27. So it's a, it's a, it's a bloodbath for Starbucks. Uh, and it's hugely problematic, and it's been hugely expensive and will continue to be so. Amazon lost their first ever union uh, election in Staten Island, New York, 5,000 and some mm-hmm. people. Um, they have another election that starts next week in Staten Island. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the union wins again. I, I don't have any inside, you know, insight into it. But the union did an amazing job of getting support, and I wouldn't be surprised if they continue the the win streak there. And then, as you mentioned, Robin, yesterday, um, actually t- two days ago, a story broke that the the flagship Apple store in New York City, the retail store that the associates or whatever that whatever Apple calls their their uh, employees, um, had announced that they plan to file uh, for a union election. Um, they make yeah. Whoops, sorry, we had some feedback. They make 20 bucks an hour. They feel like they should be making a minimum of 30 in New York and a lot of other issues related to, to benefits and scheduling and all this kind of stuff. And then out of the blue yesterday, uh, another Apple store in uh, suburban Atlanta actually beat them to the punch filing for the first source. So all these well-known companies with really good employment brands for the most part, I know Amazon, yeah. you know, gets knocked for certain things, but generally they've been viewed as a progressive employer that, you know, pay, pays higher than average wages and so on and so forth. They're all, you know, they're the kind of the, the poster children and, and, and it's, it, and it's going crazy. So uh, it, yeah, it, it's uh, the other thing that's interesting about all this is besides the, just the general, huge increase in union organizing, a lot of which is driven out of dissatisfaction with employers related to COVID and many other things. Uh, mm-hmm. Huge empowerment with the great resignation. We've talked about all this on other shows. The other thing that's happening is a lot of these unions are not the Teamsters or the UAW. These are independent unions that are being put together by the, the, the employees at these employers. So it's the Amazon labor union and the I think the Apple Union in New York City, I think they, they're calling themselves the Fruit Stand Workers Union. I mean, these are 
These are just, you know, like they're just coming out. They're coming out like with, so it's independent unions. Starbucks, that's right. not the case, although they, they identify as the Starbucks workers unions, but they do have a, a huge union behind them. Um, which is kind of the the one exception to what I'm talking about. So it's the it's progressive brands who their own employees are really rebelling against their cultures for various reasons and wanting more power. And and that seems to be the the trend right now. And that seems to be where the greatest vulnerability is. So if you fit any yeah. of those descriptors, you'd better be taking a look at what's going on in your in your yeah. workforce. So that's kind of the the overview of it. I'm not sure, you know, like the, all the underlying causes. At first we thought it was, you know, just like, peop, you know, Gen Z type, you know, we, we, we've been, mm-hmm. we, we got all the prizes and we just want you to treat us nice. Well, it turns out now that's not the case. There's actually a lot of classic under the hood labor problems, pay, safety, you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that, that is, that are showing up as the reasons they're organizing. So it's old school problems with new solutions and employers really aren't ready to, to deal with it right now. So you need to, step up your game and learn, pay, pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, I'd like to yeah. back up one piece of that, though. Like, so I don't know if it's as much as the, the employees are rebelling against their culture or they're standing up and, and, and in a way is sort of demanding that employers provide the culture that they're marketing to begin with. It, it, I, I think mm. another, it, it's another way of saying the same thing. I'm, I'm just saying the, the employees that in the past, when I say rebelling, in the past, employees seem to at least, you know, figuratively buy into this that their employers sold. They're not yeah. buying it these days. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing, just with a different spin. Oh, yeah, no, no, you're, you're probably right. I just, I think that that, that distinction is important because it's not like, because I, I hear a lot, I hear a lot, and I'm sure you do too, where employers talk about how, like, they don't understand why their employees were fine with it when they took the job, but they're not fine with things now. And it's like, well, what you told them isn't what they're living. When you yeah. when you tell this work experience of kumbaya and we're like a family and we take care of you and you can count on us, and then that's not what you're getting because you're getting yelled at when you go to the bathroom or, oh, my God, on one of the HR boards, I saw something where it was like, this 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 woman was actually talking about reprimanding her employee because he went to the bathroom too much. Like, and by the way, this is like not a young guy. That, that well, I don't remember the age of the person, but I want to say it was like over fifty. I don't remember exactly, but but it was like a grown man who she felt like was going to the bathroom too often and more than his peers, and therefore, you know, should she was going to have to discipline him. I'm like. Are you serious? This is why people quit. This is it. Yeah. Talk about that when you're hiring them. You don't say we're going to time your bathroom breaks and monitor how many times you pee. Like, no one would go to work for you, right? So you lie about who you are up front and then don't Mm -hmm. understand why employees are, are to use Michael's word, rebelling, right? It's, it's, Mm -hmm. they just want what they were sold to begin with. They want to be treated with dignity. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah, and it's just been, um, uh, yeah, you know, here, here's these buzzwords. Here's this story we're going to tell you um, when when we're courting you to get you in here. Um, and, you know, one I often think of, um, and you look at, like, the hourly workforce, and so companies will say quite often for years, oh, we're flexible, you know, 
your family is important to you. We're flexible, flexible scheduling. So many hourly uh, companies hiring, you know, retail, whatever, hospitality will say that. Flexible scheduling. And the reality is it is not flexible at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and that's just one of the, one of the great ones. And, I know, and flexibility is such a key uh, driver, I think, of, of people's dissatisfaction. Um, and they're not going to put up with that crap anymore. What do you mean I can't take off for, uh, you know, my my kids' graduation, my sister's wedding, my whatever, my or, or get attendance points? Yeah. My my son-in-law um, and my my daughter had to have surgery, and my son-in-law asked to take off because flexible scheduling, right? Um, and and just flexed his schedule for that day. Yeah. Um, to yeah. be able to be at his wife's surgery, my daughter's surgery, and they threatened his job, and he's like, "Well, okay, fine, I'm uh, whatever. I'm gonna be with my wife today because y'all told me I could do this." And you know, part of me was like, "Oh, I hope you'll get fired, right? Because that's you, you don't typically yeah. get to do that and then keep your job, right?" Which he was able to keep his job; it was fine. But. Um, but on the other hand, the thing was like, good for you for standing up and making them do what they promised you <laughs> when they gave mm-hmm. you the job. But, um, but I think what flexible scheduling really means is it's flexible for the employer, right? Like, exactly. You know, that, that's what it ends up being for a lot of employees on the, the receiving end. It's like, oh, you meant you can be flexible with how you schedule me. <laughs> not, you know. Um, but I think we, we will schedule you whenever we feel like, and right. we will be happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think even with that, if employers were just honest about their situation, um, mm-hmm. I maybe not brutally honest, but just like, hey, we're understaffed. Everybody's going to work hard. You'll work hard too. You'll get paid a fair wage. Mm-hmm. But I, I think at least they, they'd have a hard time hiring people for sure. But the people that do get there wouldn't have self-off, right? So you wouldn't see that washout. You don't do yourself any favors as an employer when you lie about your situation. It's so much more expensive to have to rehire. But, yeah. Well, you know, uh, like uh, there's been some interesting discussions about Starbucks um, and the organizing that's happening there on a couple of the HR forums that I go hang out in quite often. And including some people who are past uh, employees of Starbucks that haven't been with the company for a while and that have shared some, um, you know, some issues where like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, they were very progressive and they had benefits, you know, that, um, you know, yeah. superior, you know, I mean, they really had some strong uh, employment branding and legit benefits that set them, you know, above the crowd. However, they, they haven't adjusted any of that. And, and, in fact, if they did adjust it, what they've done is they've shifted to scheduling people for less hours. So even if you're a part-timer, you know, they have a 20-hour mm. eligibility, but you're only getting 15 hours a week. So you, can, you can't get mm. them. So the benefits are theoretical, right? They're available, but you can't right. get them because you can't get the hours and so on and so on. And then the other thing that I found really interesting is um, as they have advanced their te- use of technology through their app, to drive business, you know, from the drive-through window or the walk-in business to order online and pick it up, they have a production standard that is roughly, you have to be able to do 10 minutes, 10 drinks every 30 minutes. So like one drink 
every three minutes is kind of the rule of thumb that I've read that they follow. And that can be a coffee, a black coffee, right, which is easy, or it can be a 24-item concoction that requires right. steaming, cooling, and they don't provide any allowances or any variants. They just stick to this sort of really broad rule of thumb. And yeah. it, with technology now, you know, people can design their own custom drinks. So they, they've not changed or taken into account these these things that are driving business, but that make their employees' jobs much harder. And so the employees are saying, like, you're not listening to us. We can't do this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can. You know, it's that kind. I mean, it's, in some cases, it's that basic. Like, no, you can. We, you know, th that's the standard. You have to do it. And if you don't, you know, we'll, we'll cut your hours or whatever. So, they, yeah, they've been, yeah. they become, yeah. you know, they went away from their high-level aspirational values to a very almost like uh, Frederick Taylor-driven, you know, uh, time and motion study kind of thing. And it's just, it's not working. And, and, and that's why I kind of use the rebellion term a little bit, actually. Yeah. but you know, well, employees are just like, screw it. I'm not doing this. Yeah. I, was just, I wonder how much I've really had across the United States though. Right. Cause like the Starbucks by me, God bless, like, you know, we'll place that order and it's a good 10 minutes before that drink is ready. So there's no mm -hmm. way they're hitting those they're hitting those things and it, they're understaffed right and so like I, the right. manager came out and apologized to us one day i said why are you apologizing to me like, there's a labor shortage it's fine i i'm not going anywhere just whenever it's ready it's good but but you can see how like carried they are because they're not staffed appropriately yeah. they just can't do it and that's what she said she was just like my my staff just can't keep up and so we're just doing what we can do and i was like it's coffee this isn't the difference between anyone's life or death. It's coffee. So whatever. Mm -hmm. If I couldn't wait 10 minutes, I wouldn't show up at Starbucks. It's okay. And I think if yeah. customers adopt a little more of that attitude, it would help um, employers, uh, you know, businesses feel more comfortable with being realistic in their expectations, right? I, I do think that, that those of us buying those coffees often, often feed into setting up unrealistic work expectations because we have unrealistic customer expectations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To totally agree. Um, we, I scheduled 45 minutes. I mean, we can run over, but I know we're, we're kind of running up against at least the scheduled time. And Crystal said she had something she wanted to talk about and oh I hadn't seen it. So you, Gosh, I do. I do. Or do you have any more time, Robin, or do you got to go? Cause we can hold uh, up. But yeah. Good. Okay. A little bit, but I'm running the show, so uh, I'm running the board. So uh, let's go about uh, about five minutes or so yet, if that works. Okay, then let's hit it. So, did you see that Sherm has now said that they are um, that they are against the 32-hour work week uh, bill that's being put up in California? Oh, that I did see that. I wasn't me. sure. I wasn't sure what you mentioned when you said you had seen a, an announcement, but I did see it only only that they had done that, but I don't know any more about it in terms of detail. I got an email from them. I guess I'm still on their email list, um, <laughs> which is fine. But, but it was like they had sent out an email saying that they were opposing the 32-hour work week in California because of its one-size-fits-all approach and how it was going to hurt businesses. But, well, but aren't you supposed <laughs> Well, and... and, and, and <laughs> That, you know, they're going right back to, uh, I just pulled it up to look at it. Um, they're going right back to oftentimes where SHRM, whether on the national or state or, or local, local levels, uh, they start with the argument of 
it's a logistical burden. It's going to be a burden to the employer, a burden to the HR professionals. They've made that argument against anything from, you know, FMLA to, you know, ADA accommodations. You name it, it they always start with the, it's going to be work. Um, and it looks like that's where they're kind of starting from in their opposition. Um, they yeah. have a they, – I'm sorry, go ahead, Crystal. I was just saying that, that's kind of what I saw too. And, and like, I I see on the one hand where it's like, yeah, there's an expense load to that. I looked at it and it was like it's a way to make sure that employers don't um, more or less screw their employees out of, of health care, right? I mean, that I, I guess that's the way I'm reading it. Maybe it, it's not, but I don't know. There's, there's just so much. I look at this and go, like, there's just so much um, that can go into mandating that 32-hour work week that seems yeah. like it would be good for the worker that it's really just – it's just weird to me that, they would, that they, would, they would go against it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it yeah. doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Um, they have an office. Oh. Um, they have a policy office in California um, that they opened a few years ago because of all the unique California, you know, HR regulation. Um, but I suspect they're trying, to your point, they're trying to represent the entire business HR community, many of which would have some problems right now just switching to 32 hours abruptly. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea, but I wonder how many of their uh, constituents out there have raised it as a concern. And uh, FYI, the recording shut off, so the show is over. <laughs> okay, well, right on. Oh, okay. All right. See ya. <laughs> Take care. Thanks, y'all. All right, y'all. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.